our next subjects for uh, discussion is urinary tract infections. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're into, we're into the nitty gritty ones here, and uh, okay, that is pretty important though. I mean, uh, yeah, especially if you have one. So I'd like to welcome into uh, Fuzzy Logic. G'day to Carissa. Hello. G'day, g'day. And uh, James. Hi, how are you? And uh, to Arn. Hey. Hey, afternoon, everyone. <laughs> and uh, welcome to Fuzzy Logic Now. Your quiz question, your item of personal torture for today is, what is an externality? Mm, okay, now if you're into the... No, I can't give you any clues. Yeah, we'll, 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 are they... Toxins absorbed through the skin, toxins excreted through the skin, a philosophical school of thought that contentment is found by connecting with the environment, or is it a cost that doesn't affect your bottom line directly? Aha. So uh, we'll come back to that one. Uh, just give a little a little body language to see who, which of you has an idea what that is going to be. You reckon that's a really tough question? Uh, sounds like something from the external or something from outside. Yeah, so I think that's my first Could guess. be environment related. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think you'll probably get this one. <laughs> let's hope so. Let's see how we go. Okay, now urinary tract infection. as a part of the body that we a little coy about talking about because of what it's connected to. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is a urinary tract infection? A urinary tract infection is basically an infection anywhere along the urinary tract. Um, the urinary tract consists of the kidneys, uh, ureters, bladder and urethra. Um, we, urinary tract infections are classes upper or lower. The upper consists of the kidneys and the ureters. They're less common uh, and the effects are more severe because of the organs that the, um, they're infecting. Uh, we've got the lower class, which is the urethra and the bladder, which is very common, especially in women, because they have a shorter urethra than men. Um, so bacteria and infectious, infectious agents are uh, they aren't washed out as, as sort of well as, as in males, um, and the effects obviously of a lower uh, urinary tract infection are less severe because of obviously again the organs and the area. So to a topologist, uh, urethra is actually um, outside, isn't it? Correct. Uh, males, yes. Females, no. The the entire um, tract is sort of sometimes considered as a sort of. Uh, an external sort of thing because of the connections to the external uh, environment yeah. um, and, and the rate of infection. And, and so the, 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 there's a place where these things can get in through. Now, is it usually um, through the... Um, oops, I'm trying to not say the words. The blood. Yeah, through your genitals, or is it... How, where, where, do they, where do they get in? Um, most, most infection occurs from the lower end. There isn't a high occurrence of infection through the blood at the kidneys. It is mostly the introduction of foreign bodies at the lower end of the tract. Uh, okay, so now if if I had one of these things, um, how might I know that I had it? Uh, some of the common symptoms for urinary tract infection is dysuria, which is um, a scientific term for painful urination, uh, frequent or urge to urinate, and fever is also common. But uh, at times, you know, u- uh, urinary tract infection is asystematic, um, uh, which means like not everyone will have symptoms but in most cases most people will have at least some symptoms of urinary tract infections but in severe cases like the upper urinary tract infection you might have uh, lower back pain or hematuria which is blood in the urine which you'll notice oh. if you have a urinary tract infection yeah and there's some venereal diseases kind of um 
they have you have discharges and things like that. Yeah, are, yeah. are these is this in your category that you're talking about, or not exactly? No, but the, that comes the, from yeah, again the, the inflammation and things like that. Your yeah. body's response. Uh, okay, so you're saying it's one of these weird things where the cause and the symptoms can be a little bit separate. I mean, it it can look like the obvious thing is not you know like a heart condition for example you know you feel the pain in your left shoulder but really it's your heart that's giving you the trouble mm-hmm. so is, is that the sort of thing that's going on here I mean in the sense that the symptom is not obvious it's a bit hard to pin down what's causing the you, problem you, you will know when you have one like the urination urgency um, often what it is, is is you feeling like you need to go to the toilet and you'll actually go but only a little bit but you've felt like you've needed to go a lot and it will be more and more frequent um, the more you ignore it. So um, it's not something that you can actually ignore. It gets worse and worse. Now that, so that urge to, to urinate more often, is that um, because you, you really need to, your bladder's filling, or is it because it's, it's triggering that, that response in you? Yeah, it's due to the infection of the bladder, which uh, triggers the nerve eating, making uh, the capacity of the bladder to um, decrease or decline, and, and therefore, and yeah. Go. Sorry, it's, it's also your body trying to flush out the bacteria that shouldn't be there. There's always bacteria in your bladder, but there's good bacteria, and the bad bacteria is what's causing the, the infection. Your body's actually um, synth- is trying to actually flush that bad bacteria out. Ah, so it, it's it's a response. That's right. Mm-hmm. And where, where do most of these things come from? I mean, how do you end up getting them? Is there lots and lots of causes, or is it is there a single most common thing that's happening? There is a wide variety. Um, e. coli is the main bacteria for about eighty five percent of urinary tract infections, which is a sort of gastrointestinal bacteria. Mm-hmm. So often it's the introduction of the bacteria from your intestinal and sort of colon areas to the uh, urinary, uh, like lower end of the tract. So with things like poor hygiene, uh, sexual intercourse and things like that, even catheterization in hospitals um, can facilitate Induce. the transfer of this bacteria um, and then obviously develop the infection. Ah, so you get um, now things that grow up in medical equipment, mm-hmm. uh, biofilms, mm-hmm. Uh, and so the equipment itself gets uh, transmits an infection into your body is it because of uh, it's not with catheterization it's it can be from contamination but often it's the actual blockage and and the presence of the catheter in the urethra that's like it's a similar sort of effect to uh, kidney stones ah. because of the blockage the um the bacterial sorry the wall of the urethra and your bladder is actually sort of affected and aggravated and that develops the infection from there uh, now last week we we're talking with dr carl and he says that the, the Indian mystics drink their midstream urine because they want to get the melatonin out of it. And well, melatonin, you know, it's regulating your day-night cycle, mm-hmm. but it also gives a, a certain feeling to the people who take it. It's like a drug, in fact. But is urine normally and a healthy person uh, clean? Yes. Is it? Is it, yes, it, is. Is it aseptic? Yes. Yes. It, it's, it is. It's rare. Regularly, it is sterile. So it's different to your feces. Your poo yes. is is, is yep. packed with yep. hundreds of yep. different types of organisms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, urine is 93 to 98 percent water, um, and you've got some small sort of solutes there. Ah. So it is very very sterile. And, and that's where the cross contamination lies because um, your urine is sterile, whereas your um, colon contains E. coli, which is normally there. But it's when it goes into your bladder that it causes a problem. That's the majority of the urinary tract infections is caused by E. coli. 
Okay, now how did you get into this? I mean, what, what brought you into this uh, line of inquiry? A lot of the students in our group are medical science students. Yeah. Uh, one of our units this semester was uh, the urinary tract, and we just found that because there was a sort of brief uh, explanation and sort of uh, topic content on the urinary tract and the infection, that sort of thing, we're all a little bit sort of more interested on how and, and why they're so common with, I think it's something like 50% of, of visits to uh, GPs uh, are related to, to really? urinary tract. Yeah, so yeah. it's actually it's, very, very it's common. very high. Um, very common. And the occurrence increases with age. So with men and women over 50, the occurrence seems to level out, whereas under the age of 50, it's, it's much higher in women. Um, the increase in frequency after 50 is due to, a lot of the time, the uh, valves uh, connecting the bladder to the ur- uh, ureters. So we get a, black fl- a backflow sorry, of the uh, infection, which can eventually reach the kidneys and, and cause a great deal of problems there. Ah, it's it, Probably the best way to describe UTIs is it's a taboo subject, but people do want to know about it because it, it is so common but it's not something that people want to ask questions about. No, no, you don't normally bump into someone for a cup of coffee and say, no. how's your reader today? Have you, <laughs> <laughs> you had trouble weeing this morning? That's right. Yeah. So, okay, now, okay, so I'm sitting awkwardly, I'm crossing my legs as we speak, and what am I going to do about it? Don't hold on. That's right, just don't go. Don't on. hold on. Yep. Yes, that can induce a uh, urinary tract infection. There, if you hold... Sorry, if you hold on to your urine and obviously don't urinate, yeah. the concentration of the bacteria in the bladder um, increases rapidly. And that's why when you have an infection, the body naturally wants you to urinate regularly and, and more frequently, like Carissa said, to, to flush it out. And by holding that in, all you're doing is increasing the risk of a backflow or, or you know a higher concentration of the bacteria, again, increasing the, the effects and inflammation and, and all that sort of... Uh, now, I presume the normal um, set of antibiotics is um, part of the treatment, is that right? Yes, yep, chemotherapy. Um, there's, you can actually, if you have had a urinary tract infection before, you, you pretty much know yourself what the symptoms are, so you can self-treat um, if you know what you're doing. So ural is a, a, a product that you can actually get from the chemist over the counter, and if you get onto that get onto the urinary tract infection fairly quickly, you can actually treat it straight away with that. Um, the quicker you get onto it, the less likely you are and less severe the, the symptoms are. But there are, where are, are other alternative products that you can use, like cranberries is found, we've found to be really, really good. What do you mean the fruit? Yeah, uh, I, yes, the fruit. So you can either take it in um, tablet form or in berries um, or juice. The way that the cranberries work is it actually adheres to the E. coli, so it creates a coating around the E. coli, which means that it can't um, stick to the bladder. And what normally happens is the E. coli sticks to the bladder like um, Velcro, when and that's and then it multiplies in the bladder and that causes the infection to increase. Whereas with the cranberries, it actually creates a coating around the E. coli and it flush then when you urinate it flushes out the sort bacteria. Sort of a teflon coating uh, yeah. basically. Yeah. 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 But, but I would have thought that it would be a hard um, task for it to get into the bladder because it's a pretty long route from your mouth to your stomach uh, through your kidneys, true, bladder to get in um, there. They found that the, the liquid form, so if you obviously if you're drinking cranberry juice it can get to obviously the, um, the areas infected much quicker than if it's digested um, and then taken through the bloodstream and that sort of uh, pathway. But what it's found is these, uh, in the skin, I think it is, of the uh, fruit, it is uh, a sort of, what is it, it's a component called condensed tannins. Mm. And the E. coli have basically like these finger-like adhesion factors, which is like your Velcro sort of um, spines. 
and the condensed tannins attached to the ends of these adhesion factors, uh, which basically renders the E. coli, um, you know, enabled uh, to bind to the bacterial wall. Ah, fascinating stuff. Now, I mentioned uh, biofilms because um, uh, those adhesion things are related to biofilms because this is a case of where the bacteria behave like a superorganism yeah. and they even have little signals that they pass between yeah. them. They form these little colonies, which I think is what you were kind of re- yeah. pointing yeah. to there. Wow. Um, anything else that you wanted to tell us about this one? Um, we actually found that probiotics are actually really good as well because it replaces the bad bacteria with good bacteria um, so they're quite effective as well oh, you mean so things like the uh, acidophilus and the bifidus and yeah. those things yeah. you get yeah. in uh, yes, that's yogurt right. and those you know, yeah your coat and all that sort of yeah, yeah. good bacteria sort of supplements yeah, yeah. wow yeah. Um, I think the only other thing was that the, the acidity mm-hmm. of the areas um, ra- like it really doesn't uh, help fight against the, the bacterial infection um, so if areas are highly acidic which um, female genitals are naturally acidic for that sort of protection, um, but that's sort of like yeah, to protect against bacteria. If if that um, pH, so the acidity, is decreased, um, I think by by one pH uh, level, the the uh, likelihood of uh, contracting a urinary tract infection is trebled. Uh-huh. So there were studies performed uh, in America where they used the cells from the inside of the bladder and the urethra, um, and they found that once they were heat, uh, reduced the environment and the pH the, the uh, E. coli cells bound three times. Well, and there's um, a bonus to now. We have interviewed uh, Professor Roger Short on Fuzzy Logic in the past, and he's looked at the use of slices of lemon mm-hmm. to reduce yep. the likelihood of HIV infection, mm. yeah. which is a kind of interesting side track there. That's, yeah, that's one of the others that they've recommended as well. So a lot of these sort of citrusy, yeah, vitamin C. Uh, yeah, acidic sort of uh, fruits will help yeah. because it increases the acidity and therefore it protects you more against the infection. Yeah. Well, things that are, allow you to take less antibiotics are, right. are good in my view. Definitely. And, I, and there's an item in the paper only today or yesterday about um, the increase of uh, resistant strains of bacteria of all different sorts mm. and um, I'm all in favour of reducing the use of antibiotics. Yeah, definitely. All right, so now time for your quiz question. And externality is, or are, whatever, toxins absorbed through the skin, toxins excreted through the skin, a philosophical school of thought that contentment is found by connecting with the environment, or a cost that it doesn't affect your bottom line directly. And I'm not talking about your diet and your ability to wear tight pants. What do you guys think, number one or number three? Uh, Three sounds good. I, I like that. Yeah, I'll go with the Connection to the environment. Yeah, environment. I think uh, I'll go with it. it. It is a good thing, but I'm sorry. An externality is one of those costs that you don't factor into your profit uh. and loss statement. <sighs> so Should have asked some business students. Now, here you go. Uh, when, um, like, there's a bin in the corner over there, and I've got a bottle of water on my desk here, and I throw the bin, I throw the bin, I throw the bottle into the bin, and it goes away. I'm not bearing the cost of that. It's just going away somewhere. It's not a cost. I purchased the bottle in the first place, and uh, but I'm not paying for the hidden costs, as it were, of what happens outside of that little transaction. So good on you guys, and it's been a pleasure to have you on Fuzzy Logic, Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM, and Carissa. Thank you. And James. Thank you very much. And on. Good Thank on you, Thank you for having us, and... Tune in. And well done. We're, okay, urinary tract infections. Coming up next, we've got Alzheimer's disease, I think, but I forget. And here is Golden Brown by somebody or other here on 2XX. There we go.
Okay, that was Golden Brown here on Community Radio 2 X, and you are listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show here on 98.3 FM. And now I'd like to welcome into the studio uh, Wasan. G'day. Oh, hey. And uh, Veronica. Hello. And we're talking about Alzheimer's disease, a fairly... Oh, fairly bleak thing, you know, as we old people look into the grey years of our life. And um, tell, us about, tell us about Alzheimer's. So Alzheimer's is the most common form of dementia. It affects mostly the elderly, but it also has a genetic factor where it can affect people who are actually only 30 or 40 years of age. Um, it is a neurodegenerative disease, meaning that over the course of the disease, neurons die, and in the end, there's an excess atrophy of the brain. Ah, so now there's a family of things causing dementia. This is only one. Is that what you're saying? There is a genetic and a non-genetic component, yes, but the non-genetic is more dominant, so it's actually more what the individual does, what the lifestyle factors are, which determine whether the disease will show. Does it help um, if you appear on, on a science radio show? <laughs> it does help with the cognitive stimulation. It does? Yeah. So um, keeping the brain active? That's it. Yes. Um, there was once a study um, with um, uh, so, so, um, uh, a retirement village um, where these people kept um, playing cards and um, doing all these mentally stimulating activities and um, even though their brains had the um, f- the anatomical features of Alzheimer's once they passed away um, they were still very lucid and very you know cognitively stimulated Oh, so high-functioning. High yeah. So the, the mental stimulation has... It's like physical exercise. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we've focused on prevention methods, and there's actually a couple of those, and one of them is cognitive stimulation. So to do, for example, Sudoku or crosswords in the newspaper, things like that, mm-hmm. and then a separate one is exercise because they have found that... <clears throat> exercise does not only involve your muscular system, it also involves the whole brain because you have to get into the right position, identify the ball coming, swing the racket, breathe at the same time. So mm. exercise is one of the so you, best you, preventive So your general methods. physical well-being. Yes. Mm. But you, you said that um, Alzheimer's can occur, it might be depressingly terrible when it happens, but it, in young people it's not just an old person's condition. That's it. That's when the genetic factor comes in. So there has been genes that have been identified to predispose people to the disease. Ah, so we know which genes then? We do, but it's not a definite. So you can't say just because someone has the gene, it's not definitely going to show. It it depends what they are actually doing with it. So, like, it's a risk factor? Yes. um, On the topic of risk factors, um, because um, these risk factors are on particular chromosomes, like particularly 21 and 14, so certain conditions that also affect the same chromosomes can um, be a definitive risk factor for Alzheimer's, such as Down syndrome, which affects chromosome 21, and there are many Alzheimer's, you know, um, genetic risk factors on chromosome 21, so... Um, many people with Down syndrome um, end up getting Alzheimer's. Now, would you, knowing the, the genetic was a risk factor, recommend or yourself have genetic testing? Um, and what would you want to know? 
Definitely, because um, once you would know, you can still do things in order to manage the disease. So you can not cure it. There has not been a cure yet, but you can, um, for example, increase that um, cognitive stimulation. And there's also medication out there that helps people to deal with the disease. So oh, it so definitely helps knowing. <laughs> oh, so there is medication. There is medication because yes. of those other things you mentioned, like. You know, stimulating your brain, thinking hard and, and uh, exercising. I want to do them anyway. I'm not, <laughs> going to do them. I'm not going to not do them because I think I might be an Alzheimer's risk yeah. person. Yeah. Um, but so there, there are some drugs, there are some pharmacists, yes. pharm- pharmacological things. Yes. Um, in fact, um, there are um, usually... Um, c- there are usually a couple of different main types, which are choline esterase inhibitors and um, NMDA antagonists. But um, this, um, but the NMDA one um, is a pretty interesting thing because there's this protein that acts as a receptor for a neurotransmitter glutamate, and glutamates are very excitatory neurotransmitter. So um, usually, um, it's um, it works in um, controlling how the synapses grow and um, uh, and okay, how I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to slow you down a little bit because you've, you've you've thrown a whole lot of really complicated <laughs> things in um, glutamates. Yeah. Uh, sugars. Um, no. No, no, they're not. Are they? You, you, tell me what what are they? I'm thinking of uh, I've got the wrong word, but they're they're part of chemistry of the brain, right? Yes, so neurotransmitters are released over the synaptic cleft. So if you've got one neuron, um, there is a little bit of space between them. Mm. And in order to excite the next neuron, neurotransmitters have to be released, which are little particles, which bind to receptors on the second neuron, which then keeps on going the action potential. And the glutamate is part of that process? Yes, it is. Is it a healthy or a, or a bad or is it bad for that process? It's actually a good thing. I mean, these like I mean, it can be a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, it's a very important thing when you have the right amount of it. It's involved in learning and memory, and um, you know, it's and regulating the changes in the strength of these um, synapses. You know, these these gaps where they, where um, neurons communicate with each other, but um, if you have too much of it, um, you can excite the neurons to death. Ah, and then you're getting you're talking into the field of some of those drugs like, um, mm. oh, party drugs, um, ecstasy, and that kind of stuff. They're, they're fiddling with this sort of chemistry as yeah, well, right? Yes. So, but so what you're telling me though is the drugs that are used for treating Alzheimer's are in this kind of category, this class generally of things that that are to do with the signaling in the brain. Yes. Um, because that's that's what is impaired in Alzheimer's. So the conductivity is slower, like in every cognitive impairment. But the problem with Alzheimer's is that the neurons um, isolate themselves. So normally in the brain we've got a high network, which causes us to have resilience, which is a good thing. But in Alzheimer's disease, they separate themselves, don't communicate with the other neurons anymore, and then die and cause an inflammatory response. So it's response. the connectivity of the neurons yes. that's, that's, that's damaged. That's it. And I'm thinking of dopamine and that, yeah. some of those other things. Which, now, we do have a one of our fuzzy regular team is, in fact, a neuroscientist at John mm-hmm. Curtin. So we'll get you to come in someday and Mick, and uh, I'm sure you could have a great conversation because... <laughs> He is top class on this kind of stuff, so, and he writes, been writing some of the Ask Fuzzy columns for us in the Canberra Times. 
So, okay, so we're into the brain chemistry, right? Are there uh, sort of physiological things as well? Like, I mean, when you look at a slice of, of, of the person who's no longer using their brain or, or, or through a, um, a scan, an MRI, um, you can see things that are different in the shape and the form of the brain, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, in terms of the MRI, you can see that, the, that there are holes, like literally holes in the brain because the brain has atrophied so much meaning that it reduced in size because you lost so many neurons. But the most definitive diagnosis of Alzheimer's is via autopsy, so when people are already dead. Okay, so um, what happens is, um, after these autopsies happen, what they've noticed um, in these Alzheimer's brains are these things, uh, are these abnormal proteins that appear in the form of plaques and tangles. And it's a particular protein called beta amyloid that um, that is some in some of these um, plaques. And so these plaques are just like. Um, bits of abnormal protein that, um, you know, get surround the neuron, and that's when the neuron dies off. And uh, A plaque is to do with clumping. Clump. Clumping. So it's clumping. actually, um, we've got those proteins normally, the amyloid proteins, yeah. but it's when, they, um, when the enzymes that normally break them off mutate that they assemble and aggregate and then form an insoluble mass, which is the plaque. Uh. Uh, and of course, so a person suffering this kind of stuff is it is it an inevitable decline? Oh, I suppose you've already told me though that that there's a lot you can do to halt it. Yeah. Um, it is very difficult to say. So really, the focus at the moment is more on prevention than treatment because there is no sole cause. It's multifactorial. So there's just so many components that interplay that you can't pinpoint one thing that actually is going to cure the disease. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what brought you into this, in, into this line of, of uh, inquiry? Um, well, because the brain um, is quite an interesting thing in how it works and um, there's so much to be known and um, it's a good place to start to look at, um, to fir uh, first look at how it's not working to and then from there you can find out how it works. It's kind of like how we figured out with the um, prevention, like to figure out the cause, we figure out ways to prevent it and then look at that. Sort of yeah, I, look, the brain is absolutely, well, mind-blowing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it, 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 it is a fascinating topic and I'm lucky enough to have neuroscience come on fuzzy occasionally. Um, so it, it's the idea of the way the brain works and when it doesn't work, that tells you something about what's supposed to happen like these things you know these accents in this um gauge or cage was a guy who had the railway spike go to the side of his brain and it yeah. changed his whole personality because he survived this accident yeah this is a very classic story in, in annals <laughs> of neuroscience but his whole personality changed because his spike came out the side of his head the temporal lobe i think around just uh, around his ear somewhere like that oh, wow. and he'd been from a you know a diligent hard-working cogent kind of a person and he became aggressive and, and unreliable and a bit flighty um, yeah that just shows how little we really know about the brain yeah. there's so much more to discover and when people have a stroke there's, a, there's another example isn't it when someone has a stroke and some function of the brain now ceases and you can look at the MRI scan and you can see that this little area here is like it could be a broker's area where the speech occurs you know yeah. is processed and you lose and there's weird things like people 
can no longer speak French, or they yeah. lose one language, or oh, something no. like that. You know, and and Veronica, what about you? What 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 brings you into this one? Um, really, I also like the pathological part. So, seeing that we're doing a university degree, um, cognitive stimulation is really important. And um, I've had a relative who went through that process of having Alzheimer's, and yeah. So, I hope the same doesn't happen to me. <laughs> oh well, yeah. It's one of the most depressing diseases because it is. My brain is probably my first or second most favourite body part. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and speaking of uh, of uh, brains and things, uh, I've got uh, oh, I've got a question for you because you I didn't give you the uh, the quiz question at no, the opening didn't. show, and here it is. And this one, the last mob could have answered this one, and I reckon you already know what it's going to be. But anyway, let's see. What is a catheter? Is it a Renaissance era dome shaped roof? <laughs> <laughs> Who comes up Who with these answers? <laughs> What was I taking? Yeah, that was me. As <laughs> uh, a species of cat related to the lynx, in medicine, a tube inserted into the body, or is it an Italian the cure? <laughs> mm, sounds like a difficult one. <laughs> Guess the third? Might be the third one. Yeah. I'm thinking from like the last um, group that was talking about um, the something that involved catheterization. So well, I was like, yeah, definitely the catheter. Yeah, well done. That's a bit of a giveaway, that one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And uh, look, well done, and it's a fascinating topic, and we need people like you to study things like this because it makes a difference to real people. It's not just something that goes on in a lab somewhere. I mean, it is for a long part of its life, but it gets out there, and your relative, who I'm sorry to hear, has uh, been through the Alzheimer's thing, um, such a nasty disease and the fact that you know we need people like yourselves who are interested and motivated to do something about this so well done and uh, thank you for coming on to Fuzzy Logic uh, Wasan yep thanks Gerana and Veronica thank you for having us yeah well done and we're going to take you out with a bit of interesting music Do oh, anybody remember what this movie was it was a classic for we older types it's well known for a particularly nasty scene in it and in fact probably dominates the movie a bit too much um, I'll tell you at the end what the movie yeah, I'll tell you I'll tell you at the end what it is you're listening to or you have been listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show here on Community Radio 2XX my name is Rod and next week we've got some women's health issues to talk about I have an expert on uh, breastfeeding and she's a very highly qualified midwife talking about breast milk versus uh, formula milk and it has a bit of a quiet start but a bit of banjo music and think of guys chewing straw, bits of grass and canoes there's a hint